Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hello, let us begin by introducing ourselves. I am Han. I'm Dan Franz. And we want to pump you up. And this is the Wretched Radio. And I am the Todd. And that is the Jimmy. And we're talking like men. Why do you hear that kind of voice and automatically conclude, ah, you're talking about being a guy? I would suggest to you the answer is found in culture. Our society, it plays a small part, but it plays a part nevertheless. And these days, an increasingly large part in determining what is masculine, what is feminine. I encourage you, listen to the Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford. Super helpful. We just posted a video on the subject of masculinity. Who gets to decide what is masculine and what is not? And this conversation, it needs to be ongoing. Why? It appears young men, in particular, are struggling these days. Please note well, or notabene if you prefer, we're going to talk about Gen Zs. And if you happen to be in that demographic, please note we are so for you. We are not against you. There are some stereotypes that your generation is exuding. Now, that doesn't mean everybody who is Gen Z is, but many of them are, are acting differently than we used to. And the question that really should be asked is, well, which one is right? Was it the John Wayne version of American masculinity? Is it Hans and Franz? Or is it, well, who's the guy who wears a dress? Harry Styles. What, 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 what makes a man a man? Who gets to decide that? The answer, of course, is the Bible. But you can see that in our YouTube video that we just posted. But let's dive in to Gen Z's. Not because we want to be critical or snarky or pile on to the seems just never ending flow of condemnations for those horrible Gen Z's. It's not how we feel. We want to help. So hang in there if you happen to be in that demographic headline. Young people see dramatic decline reaching major life milestones. What are those milestones? Marriage, children, financial independence, living independently, and maintaining a full-time job. According to the United States Census Bureau, these are key components in reaching adulthood, and fewer Gen Zs are accomplishing these milestones. And there are many people who are trying to explain why. I don't think anybody can deliver. It would have to be a big book to offer all of the explanations as to why it is that we are seeing a delay in young people accomplishing these milestones. We're going to dive into a few of those, but if you are Gen Z, I want to encourage you. I I, want to start here. You need to start working on accomplishing these milestones. You say, I've got lots of reasons for not wanting to. We'll tackle those reasons, but trust the Bible. These milestones are good. You say, my parents got divorced. I'm sorry for that, but that doesn't disqualify marriage as being an adult institution. 
that you need to race toward. Having children, it's a blessing. Being financially independent. I do believe Paul had something to say to the Thessalonians about this. Living independently, a man will leave his father and his mother. He's going to cling to a woman and have a one-flesh relationship, maintaining a full-time job. You don't work, you don't eat. You, you need to set aside whatever your pre-understandings are on these milestones, reconsider them, and start going for them. And it's easier than you think. It, it really is. I, I think until you cross the bridge that says, all right, I got to get on. These things are good. I'm going to trust thousands of years of human history. And more than that, I'm going to trust the Bible. And I'm going to start going for it. And I'm going to start doing the things necessary to accomplish these things. In 2021, 22% of of 25-year-olds were married. In 1980, the number was 63%. There's a slew of statistics. We get the point. Let me share with you what one individual's take, because I think that this will help us to see that applying what the Bible says about being actually manly, it has nothing to do with muscle mass. It has nothing to do with being a lumberjack versus being an accountant. Those are cultural expressions that vary from society to society. The Bible defines what it is to be manly. And once you accept that, And once you realize that its precepts are good for you, even though it appears that culture is falling around you and that those things are downright scary, you're going to get on it. This was written by Alex Kashuda. This is a Substack article. I have no idea what the woman believes, but I thought the headline everyone is checking out is helpful for us. The young men of today, known as soylenial, apparently soy boys, I think is the pejorative there, is not engaging with traditional life paths anymore and is lost, either because he has no incentives to be found or because he's qualitatively different. Then in the endocrine poisons, she suggests watching the video games, rewiring of the brain, etc. The young men, this is just another take on it, aren't grabbing it. They're going for it. And I do believe it starts with not thinking that the brass ring is what the Bible says it is. Believe in Jesus. That's first and foremost. Find a spouse who's godly. Start making babies. Work hard. Provide for your family. Support your local church. Evangelize the lost. These are things that People are in agreement. Young men simply aren't going for anymore. And it is not just in the United States. In Japan, they're called the hikikomori. Chinese word for it is herbivore men. Weighthood is the term used in India and in the Middle East. Quiet quitting, the growth of NEETS, N-E-E-T-S's everywhere in the Western world and beyond. Checking out has been interpreted as the result of many disparate phenomenon. And this woman lists those. They're irrelevant. You need to ignore them. You you say, but I, I think I prefer the alternative. You know, being single, all of the risks that are involved. Reject that thinking because the Bible says so. It's good to be married. It's good to have kids. And you say, but kids are a nightmare. And everybody I know is exhausted. Yep. And there's nothing sweeter. Get on it. Start moving toward it. 
stop listening to what the world says. Stop listening to what your peers have to say. Listen to what the Bible has to say about this. So here are the explanations. Hookup culture, gaming, social media, online dating. You know, I, I want to be careful with this. The young man who was on that. Uh, Jimmy, did you read the story of the young man who jumped off of the cruise, the party boat? No. It was a high school kid, 18 years old. It doesn't get any more tragic than this. This young man jumped off of a, oh, here, I got the article right here. Hold on. Here's the details. It was the Revenge Sunset Cruise, Blackbeard's Revenge Sunset Cruise in the Bahamas. The kid apparently was acting on a dare, jumped off of the boat, and they think it was shark-infested water and his body hasn't been found. Ah, oh, doesn't get much more grievous than that. So we're going to act on the assumption for a moment that he was goaded into doing this foolish thing because of peer pressure. You need to you need to determine right now. I'm not going to listen to my peers only if they give you biblical wisdom that scripture supports. Should you listen to anything somebody who is close to you in age says? In fact, that's true of what anybody would say to you. Listen to the Bible. Don't do foolish things. Don't fritter away your day. Don't listen to your body's lusts and hook up just because it's easy and everybody else is doing it. Reject peer pressure. Make it just make. Here's this is. Do I realize that it can be a struggle to resist temptation? Yeah, of course. But you got to make the decision you're gonna. When when your peers are like, hey, dude. Come on, man. I got this news. It's, I, I guess it's, it, it really helps to calm you down. Let's just light this one up. No, sorry. I'm going to have mastery over my body. I'm going to be clear-minded, sober-minded, and on the alert. Sorry. I would encourage you to not do it. And you exert peer pressure on them. Make the decision in advance. There are more shoutings from the world. Ubiquitous porn. Women voting and or being educated, the pill, legalized abortion, testosterone collapse. Apparently that's happening. I don't know who's keeping track of that. They've all been blamed for our careening away from each other and the world. And in small part, every one of these theories is right. All these puzzle pieces contribute to building a world we're not made to inhabit. And she's going to go on to describe how it is that it is manifesting itself. And we're going to take a look at those manifestations so that you, if you are a Gen Z, can identify, okay, I get it. That's their message. What's the source of the message? The answer is the world. Now, does that mean that it's automatically wrong? Not automatically, but it shouldn't be automatically affirmed either. We need to run to a divine source to determine what does it mean to be a manly man? Next on Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries. 
very busy, saving babies, saving souls, would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Ambrose was the Bishop of Milan in the 4th century and one of the four original doctors of the church. He defeated Arianism by appealing to scripture and using well-reasoned arguments. Ambrose reminds us that a faithful teacher is a blessing to generations of Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Manly men and womenly women. This is Wretched Radio. It sure does seem Gen Zers, they are finding it more challenging to do adult-like things because the world is screaming at you. Furthermore, the world is providing options for you. Now, this is going to apply to both men and women. How it is that we go about the business of determining what does it look like to actually be a woman? What does it actually look like to be a man? We must understand the world is providing alternatives for you. And the world wants you to listen. Why? Who runs the world? That's right. The prince and the power of the air. The one who is the father of lies. The one who would like for you 
to be stuck. If you're feeling stuck as a man or a woman, perhaps some of these articles gleaned from secular sources might actually help us to get on the road of biblical masculinity and biblical femininity. That's the starting place. You're not going to get out of the gate until you've determined, I'm going to let the Bible drive my life. I'm going to let the Bible determine the trajectory of my days. I am going to believe that when God says marriage is his institution and it is good, despite what the world screams, Despite the divorce statistics, despite my experience inside of my own home growing up, I'm going to reject it. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to start becoming the man or woman that would be an acceptable spouse for somebody who is also godly. There was a laundry list of contributors that were offered in an article called Everyone is Checking Out by Alex Kashuta. She claims that pornography is one of the inhibitors for young men. They've got their sexual urges, so they think satisfied, so they don't go seeking a woman. Shut it down. Stop it. It's it's bad for you. It, it's 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 stopping you from growing and experiencing better things. I'm telling you, being married and enjoying the marriage bed is better than porn. Shouldn't have to be said, but that's the world we live in. Reject it. How's about online dating? Okay, well, you can do online dating, but don't be discouraged by it. I understand that it's just like a terrible culture that's been created. All right, if that's the way that it gets done these days because societal structures have been deteriorated to the point where people finding each other in a smaller community don't exist anymore, you got to do the online dating thing, do it, but conquer it. Don't be discouraged by it. I got turned on. Ah, she ghosted me. Yeah, all right. So what? A man pursues these things. A man learns how to accept these disappointments, understand that he's secure in Christ, that if every pretty girl that he's identified on the whatever the dating app thing is says, no, it's okay, because Jesus affirms me because I'm in him. Reject what the world says, social media, the gaming culture. Nah, as much as it pains me, I think that you can play a game if you want to. You can. I think you can't do it if it's sexual, if it if it diminishes the imago day. But you got to watch your time. You got things to do. You've got bigger things to accomplish. You say, I don't know how to do it. Just start by stopping doing the things that are wasting your time. You'll find something to do. This is <laughs> this will resonate with some generations more than the other. You're a kid, you're moping around the house, you're underneath mom's feet, and you're kind of being a pest. What did she say? Jimmy, what did your mother tell you all summer long? Go find something to do. Go out and do, get, go play. Use your imagination. And you did. You sorted it. That's my encouragement to you. Stop doing the stuff that's wasting your time, that's shriveling your soul, and you're going to start figuring out what to do. You're going to start looking around for more noble activities, better activities. Maybe you will go to the gym and do some exercising. Maybe you'll start volunteering at the church. Ooh, maybe you'll start doing things for your neighbors. Stop doing time wasters and get on it. Now, this particular article segues into women. Quiet quitting 
a remote job and going through the motions, stopping dating and giving up the long and arduous struggle to create friendships like you used to have in high school, getting a pet and or lots of pets, plants rather, and becoming obsessively involved with their care alongside various sporadic fixations via social media without retreating entirely from the world seems to be a more typical trajectory with women. So women are quiet quitting, but not totally. Women, they don't have friendships with humans. They aren't having babies, so they have pets. And by the way, there was an interesting article, perhaps we'll get to it, from Archive, uarchive.md. Why Gen Z prefer dogs to babies. Women are getting dogs. They're getting plants because they've got to pour that maternal instinct into something. Okay, is there anything wrong with plants and pets? Nope. But if they are satisfying you at least enough that you are taking yourself out of the game, well, then it's time to give away your plants. It's definitely time to give away your cat. And that goes for everybody. I don't care what your marriage is. I don't care how old you are. That's just a good piece of advice right there. And start charging toward the things the Bible says are better. Back to the article. In terms of relationships, they seem to just not be interested in what is out there. They'd like a relationship, but the pickings are slim. And the alternatives don't seem so bad. There's plenty of things to do to fill your day, even if it's not all that fulfilling. Watch out for this, this temptation, whether you're male or female. I think that this one is, is for both genders. You, you, you can have a pet, and pets are great. I love dogs. Love them. There's no comparison when it comes to a dog and a kid. No comparison. You say, but all the kids I know in church, they're obnoxious little brats. Yeah, maybe. They're amazing. Trust God. Trust God telling you till you've had a kid, you have no idea. You just have no idea. Contrasting their lives with the few friends who got married and have kids is a confusing exercise because the contrast is usually between a life of love and meaning that looks exhausting versus, hey, I can have a leisurely life. It's very entertaining, even if it's purposeless. Reject that. It is purposeless. Trust that. At worst, their friends have troubled marriages and it looks like nothing to envy. A few failed relationships are usually enough to take the wind out of their sails. Life feels long and there are plenty of palliatives to smooth out the ride. They're not palliatives. They do not satisfy. Now, this used to be a stereotype. It was uh, the, you know, the, uh, the, like the, the old lady with 100 cats. Okay, that was looked at as like, that's kind of sad. That was a bummer. Now, please note, if you happen to be in that situation because of life, et cetera, I, I, I understand that. I get it. And I'm glad you've got pets. I really am. But for the young person who can make some decisions today, I, that shouldn't be the chosen path. You say, well, that seems rather judgmental. I think that seems rather biblical. God immediately tells us not good to be separate. It's not good for us to be alone for man or for woman. If it's not good for man to be alone because of woman, because she offers things that a man doesn't have, then the converse is true. A man has things that a woman needs. We're not good separate. We're better together. We're like Chick-fil-A without the diversity, equity, and inclusion part. Better at together. Having kids. Doing godly things. Back to the article. Cognitive dissonance. 
about making the choice. Ooh, which road should I take? Despite some potential pangs from the biological clock is lower than it's ever been. The idea that generations of women will one day wake up in a cold sweat, being driven mad because they don't have children or families, instead of just another day plodding along in the same hyper-stimulated and distraction-fueled anxiety that marked the rest of their lives, it's getting harder to believe. Well, it's still a lie. Reject it. From the aforementioned article, it un... she's the editor of Unheard. Why Gen Z prefer dogs to babies. Thought it was pretty fascinating. Half a British woman now reached 30 without having kids. That is a radical change. Some of these have redirected their caring urges toward pets. I get it. I do. You're going to pour a maternal and a paternal instinct into something. Have it be the vessel that God intended. It's, it's the better outpouring. This is happening because of the classic milestones of life, such as getting your own place, seem out of reach. Wages, you can't afford the kids. I understand those are things that need to be worked through, but those should not be hurdles that are so high. You don't knock them down, run through them, or jump over them. Prospects for Gen Z are not as optimistic as for their boomer grandparents. That could be. That's very possible that the odds are increasingly stacked against you. But you're not defeated, Gen Zer. You're a conqueror in Christ. You can be doing things that your peers have given up on. Don't be like them. Don't listen to the world's lies. Let the Bible determine what is good and best for you. And here's what it says, among other things. Believe in Jesus Christ. Find yourself a godly spouse. Have yourself some babies. Work like a nobody's business. Support your local church. And you will find far more genuine fulfillment. You've got God's word on it. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start in the land of a thousand lakes, the state of Minnesota, where now it seems that college is absolutely free of charge. But not for everybody. No, no, no. It couldn't be free for everybody. No, it's only free for illegal immigrants. Illegal immigrants. I just had to say it again so you can understand that a free college education is going to be given to people that have come into our country illegally and have no rights or claims to be here, while cash-strapped American students are struggling to pay tuition. And that's a pretty good representation of our current society at the moment. How will the decision impact the wider, higher education landscape? Well, that remains to be seen. And speaking of impacts, Planned Parenthood has recently introduced Lucky. Lucky recently received an abortion from Planned Parenthood because Lucky wanted to start identifying as a man. So Planned Parenthood said, come on in. And it seems that the official motto of Planned Parenthood is now any reason is the right reason for an abortion. And that's an actual quote any reason is the right reason to murder an innocent unborn baby. I don't know how lucky Lucky is going to continue being, but Lucky's baby wasn't very lucky at all. And in other news, the New York Times, the leader of journalistic integrity, you hear the sarcasm there? Yeah, they want your kids to log on to a sexuality-themed chat room. Why? Well, to make new friends, of course. 
Because after all, who wants to go outside? I mean, who wants to go to the playground or to the park to make friends that way when you've got the enticing glow of an online chat room where your minor children can talk all things sexual? Thanks, New York Times. And speaking of New York City, I'm not going to give a whole lot of time to this story, but apparently New York City has introduced crack pipe vending machines. I did not make that up. That is an actual thing that is happening in the city of New York right now. Crack pipe vending machines. For the first time in a long time, I'm at a loss of words. Well, residents of Buffalo, New York were outraged after they noticed a pride flag had seemingly replaced the POW MIA banner that has long flown above City Hall. Hamburg, New York's Coalition for Equity and Inclusion raised the pride flag at the building last Friday to mark the beginning of Pride Month, the month formerly known as June. And that prompted one member of the town board to note her disapproval on social media. But she wasn't the only one, as you might can imagine. And that's been your latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Exodus is a story of God saving His people from oppression and giving them an identity and an inheritance. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, which begin with the statement, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Good deeds have always been a response to God's saving work, not a means of earning salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Have you made your popcorn? You might want to get on it because the Southern Baptist Convention is going to be happening very soon and you're going to want to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show and hopefully pray because, wow, there could be some fireworks and we will see perhaps some harbingers. That's right. I said harbingers of the direction, the future of the Southern Baptist Convention. It appears Rick Warren, he's not going quietly off into the sunset. He's deciding to take a stand on the role of women in the church. He has made that clear. He is in the process of releasing a series of videos on women in the church. Now, it's a it's a four-part series, if I'm not mistaken. I watched the first one. It's the third one where he's going to try to make a defense of the role of women in the church. The first one, the headline reads, he rejects both complementarian and egalitarian views of women in the church saying they both have unbiblical weaknesses. Hmm. Now, if you're honest, he said, you'll have to admit, Paul often says things about women in Scripture that appear to contradict each other. I haven't... Jimmy, have you seen those contradictions? No, I have not. That, uh, that only comes from liberal quarters. Hey, wait, what about Phoebe? Right. That's not a contradiction. The clear interprets the unclear. Furthermore, the entire Bible interprets a passage for us, guides it at least. So tell me what you want to believe, and I'll show you the verses you have to ignore or rationalize away. So Rick Warren has been doing some Bible studies, and he's now going to try to persuade you about the role of women in the church. And he's going to try to persuade the Southern Baptist Convention, which means it could be 
really interesting this summer. And I'm telling you something, you're going to want to be making some popcorn and staying tuned to what's going. Where are they meeting this year, Jimmy? Do you know? Uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. Warren said that the turning point for him was Jesus' confrontation with the Pharisees. Huh. They love making rules. They love being legalistic. They love protecting traditions and they love judging others. And they came to Jesus and said, Lord, why do you break the traditions of the elders? And Jesus asked them a question. Why do you break the commands of God for the sake of your commit your traditions? Well, that did it for me. That was the thing that pushed me over. Well, that depends on what it is that is being discussed. If you're talking about Korban, yeah, that would be a tradition of man. When you're talking about something that is explicitly biblical, that does not fall into the same category. And the Pharisee card cannot be slapped on those of us who believe when Paul said, I do not permit a woman to teach and or have authority over men. I don't think that's a tradition. And even though that has been the tradition in the church, it is firmly grounded in the Bible. This is going to be really interesting. Rick Warren and Saddleback Church reportedly plan to release several videos making their case for inclusion in the SBC. Well, then, I, I thought Pastor Warren was retired. Apparently, this is going to be his issue. And this will be his legacy, by the way. And despite the purpose-driven, whether you deem it a success or not, this, this will be the one. And this will, this, will, this will help us to understand just where the SBC is at. How many people in the SBC are egalitarian? How many of them do believe that women should be pastors? We might be finding out soon. Rick Warren in the video said, quote, We're challenging the ruling on behalf of millions of SBC women whose God-given spiritual gifts and leadership skills are being wasted instead of empowered for the Great Commission. Not true. Just not true. Of course we want women doing things in the church, honestly. And they do so, they do so much in the church. They're being wasted because they can't be in the pulpit. Hmm. Furthermore, we cannot finish the task Jesus gave us with 50% of the church forced to sit on the bench. Well, that's an interesting characterization. It's just not even remotely true. Eh. It'll be interesting uh, to see. The biblical argument, I, I honestly, I don't think that he has a chance in that regard. Context will clobber him every single time. Now, might he be able to tug on some heartstrings? Hey, don't you want women to be fulfilled and use their gifts? Yes, but God wouldn't give them the gift of elder because they can't exercise that gift, even if they have the skills to do some of those things. There's an internal and there's an external call. There could be an internal. A woman could feel like, you know, I really want to fill that role. I really. That's really what I want to do. Well, we would say that that's an internal call. But how do you know that it is a call from God? The answer is the external call. What does the church say about you? Does the church affirm your gifting? And more than that, does the church affirm that you're qualified for the role, not just gifting? 
There can be other circumstances, not the least of which would be gender, that could disqualify somebody who really feels like that is what they want to do. So we'll we'll make the popcorn and we'll be watching the Southern Baptist Convention very closely. You going to go to the SBC, Jimmy? Uh, no, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I will watch it, though. Oh, we're going to watch it. That's that's to be certain. Hey, speaking of megachurches, there's a new study out that says most Americans don't like megachurches. <laughs> that's fascinating. Or Christian celebrity culture. Glue and he gets us. That's that ad campaign that presents a version of Jesus that looks a little bit more like a woke socialist, nevertheless, partnered with Barna for the research. Whether people have a positive or negative opinion of Jesus, 71% say, yeah, we dig Jesus, or at least the chosen version of the Jesus, but they don't like Jesus followers so much, and they don't like the megachurch. 63% said they've made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, and he's important in their life. But 16% have a positive view of megachurches, and among Christians, it doesn't get better. Only 17% view them positively. For celebrity pastors, only 19% of Christians had a positive view of those ministers. Famous people are celebrities who are Christian, not seen as positive. Only 26% approve. By the way, I saw an article, apparently celebrities are abandoning ship on the Hillsong Church. It's TNT, I believe, is that series that's doing the documentary on Hillsong. I only saw a little bit of it because, well, I don't want to brag, Jimmy, but I'm in the documentary. You are. Actually, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of shocked me a little bit. There There was a quote, I believe. From the interview, the thing that we did with Justin Peters at G3 two or three years ago, talking about Hillsong and Bethel and elevation worship, and they grabbed me Uh and talking about an encouragement. Hey, this this church, if people got hurt in that church, we care. We care. We do. But we should have been warning people about Hillsong long before any stories or accusations came bubbling to the surface. It's the theology that should have been the problem for us, not what they're doing behind closed doors. I mean, that that needs to get sorted to be certain. But long before the accusations started to surface, there was more than theological smoke. There was a fire. And it appears that a lot of celebrities now that once went to a Hillsong church are now saying, bye-bye. The survey goes on, 56% of Christians had a positive view of Christian pastors. What? Okay, what? 56%. So 44%, nah, I don't like the whole under-shepherd idea. (laughs) That's a bummer. 47% had a positive view of churches in their community. 58% of Christians had a positive view of churches in their community. This is the dreaded, well, I like Jesus, but not his bride. And we all know how we'd react to somebody expressing that sentiment about our spouse. 71% think Jesus is groovy. 57% think Christianity is okay. Now, that's interesting, because if we're feeling it when 57% of Americans affirm Christianity, 
What's going to happen when it's 47, 37, 7%? It doesn't appear to be a trend that is moving in the right direction. And increasingly, we better start thinking about how are we going to live in a world that does not like Christianity. And it's fascinating to me. You've got 71% giving a thumbs up to Jesus, but the church, eh, Christians, eh, uh, it, it does raise a question. Doesn't beg it, Alistair. It raises the question, what Jesus are they digging? What, what Jesus are they following? Jesus loves his children. Jesus loves the church. And when anybody goes about the business of bad-mouthing the institutions, that he died to build. Um, You've probably got somebody who needs a little educate. You probably got somebody that needs a lot of education. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. And I'm here to talk to those of you who have supported us by purchasing resources from our store at wretched.org. Have you ever considered becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? Now, we love you and we are grateful for your support when you purchase and listen to our resources, but we would seriously love for you to join us as a gospel partner. Because here's the thing, we exist, as you know, to reach millions of lost souls all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do it through culturally compelling and biblical sound gospel-centered productions. That's a mouthful, but it's true, and we need your help to make it happen. We're not asking for you to just throw your money at us. We're not asking for that at all. What we're doing is inviting you to partner with us. So would you prayerfully consider joining us in becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines, they typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash 
Bible. Attributes of God The Bible tells us of God's goodness. God does not measure up to an external standard of goodness. He is the standard. Because everything God does is, by definition, good, we can trust that God will do what is right in every situation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Maybe the culprit is mom. This is Wretched Radio. In 1994, a study on gender dysphoria was conducted concluding that moms tend to be contributors of their children's dysphoria. According to the study, mothers of boys with gender identity disorders had more symptoms of depression and more often met the criteria of borderline personality disorder than mothers of boys who don't exhibit issues with their gender identity. 53% versus 6%. Whoa. In other words, researchers were drawing a line between children who are confused about their gender and mothers who are, well, struggling. It is regularly the mother that encourages this type of thinking. And I think that's why we're seeing such a social phenomenon in part. You've got TikTok, you've got social media, but you've also got moms, by the way. Google searches questioning sexuality and gender since 2004 are up 1,300%. Why? Because culture is encouraging. Culture is informing. And kids, they do what kids do. They believe the stuff that gets downloaded to them. I think it's, I think it's fascinating to me. Why is it that the majority of transgender girls are from white, above average, socioeconomically, above average families? It's like 90 some percent. Why is it that other ethnic groups How do you explain that disparity if it is not socially and culturally and familially driven? I don't know of any other explanation than that. Speaking of long lost articles, let me take you back now to 2012. Are you familiar with a fellow named Jerome Kagan, Harvard psychologist? Now, he was big into child development. I actually disagree with some of his conclusions on the need for mothers to nurture their children. His conclusion, which I think is just observably so wrong, that children need parents, specifically mom, to nurture them, to love on them, to respond to their cries. And speaking of reactive attachment disorder, I did receive an email from somebody that I thought you should hear saying, hey, please keep talking about reactive attachment disorder. Please, please keep the focus on this because so many people in churches that have adopted kids are struggling because their kids are exhibiting these behaviors that are so difficult to deal with. Yep. Leave the name out. P-L-E-E-E-E-A-S-E. Continue to press for good resources for raising adopted kids, specifically concerning RAD. Well, I, I already dropped that in Greg Gifford's ear. We're going to talk about that in two weeks when we meet for Transform. This person writes, true love parent has been a wonderful help and has made a huge difference in our home. So if you've got adopted kids, you're trying to figure out, yikes, what do we do? How do we live through this? 
How do we thrive through this? True Love Parent. It's a recommendation. I haven't read it myself, but that's a recommendation of another adoptive parent. When kids don't have mom nurturing them, tending to them, loving them, they don't bond. They don't form deep relationships as an infant, which means as they grow, they will struggle to do likewise and oftentimes can exhibit antisocial-like behavior. Jerome Kagan thought, eh, no big deal. I think anybody who has adopted children would say, actually, it is a big deal. Nevertheless, he's supposed to be a leading expert in child development, ranking 22nd in the 100 most eminent psychologists of the 20th century. He beat out Carl Jung. I wonder what Jordan Peterson thinks about that. He was interviewed by Spiegel, who said this. Experts speak of 5.4 million American children who display the symptoms typical of ADHD. Are you saying that this mental disorder is just an invention? This is, this is what we used to call ants in the pants. This is what we used to call a busybody. Now we call it a diagnosis. This is what this eminent psychologist said. That's correct. It is an invention. Every child who's not doing well in school is sent to see a pediatrician, and the pediatrician says, it's ADHD, here's Ritalin. In fact, 90% of these 5.4 million kids, now remember, this is 2012, don't have an abnormal dopamine metabolism. He was turned out, he was correct. Do you remember the whole serotonin, the uptake inhibitors? It looks like so many of these issues aren't controlled by that. He said, the problem is, if a drug is available to doctors, they'll make the corresponding diagnosis. Huh. That's an accusation, Der Spiegel said. So the uh, alleged health crisis among children is nothing but a bugaboo? Response? We could get philosophical and ask ourselves, what does mental illness mean? That's true. If you do interviews with children and adolescents age 12 to 19, 40% can be categorized as anxious or depressed. But if you take a closer look and ask how many of them are seriously impaired by this, the number shrinks to 8%. Oh. Describing every child who is depressed or anxious as being mentally ill is ridiculous. Adolescents are anxious. That's normal. They don't know what college to go to, what boyfriend or girl. I just got ghosted being sad or anxious. It's a part of life, like anger and frustration. Der Spiegel, what does it mean if millions of American children are wrongly being declared mentally ill? Boy, what a, what a, what a name to slap on children. Uh, now, want to be careful with this because there are indeed some kids that exhibit symptoms of autism. That is certain. That is undeniable. But the autism spectrum is so broad, I am quite certain I qualify. And now you might say for good reason, Jimmy, you would too, because if you just exhibit one or two of these things, they're very quick to label. They're very quick to prescribe. So this is this is the response of the Harvard psychologist asking, are children wrongly being declared mentally ill? Well, most of all, it means more money for the pharmaceutical industry and more money for psychiatrists and people doing research. Remember, this guy is one. And what does it mean for children concerned? For them, it is a sign that something is wrong with them. 
And that can be debilitating. I'm not the only psychologist to say this, but we're up against an enormously powerful alliance, pharmaceutical companies that are making billions and a profession that is self-interested. Now, what do you do with this, mom and dad, if your child is be, you're being told that your child is exhibiting something? Uh, you need to weigh this. You need to be mindful of this. You need to know that there are some medical professionals that can get compensated for making certain decisions. And pharmaceutical companies, they get traded on the stock market. Does this mean every pharmaceutical is bad? Absolutely not. This isn't an either or. This is merely the observation of a Harvard psychologist, an esteemed Harvard psychologist, who's saying um, there's a lot of money being made. Der Spiegel, would you completely abolish the diagnosis of depression among children? Now he's got some balance. No, I wouldn't go as far as that. But if a mother sees a doctor with her young daughter and says the girl used to be more cheerful, the doctor should first of all find out what the problem is. Oh, going to the source, not the symptom. He should see the girl on her own, perhaps carry out a few tests before prescribing drugs. Yeah, I would say at least. And certainly order an EEG. Uh, they're just being prescribed quickly. Now, as we have said before, does this mean all psychotropics are taboo? No. There are cases where they are needed. Most of the time, it's quite observable. But the moral to this story is most of them are not. Now, please note, don't just automatically put your child or yourself in one camp or the other. You need to take your time. You also need to get your church involved. You need to have elders involved. Who did I? I just met. So, oh, it was a waitress. I'm sorry, a waitron, because it was just an amorphous blob. They're not waiters or waitresses anymore. Totally pleasant. It was just shocking to me because, you know, sometimes you get kind of a crabby waiter or waitress. They don't engage very much. This one did, in fact, quite chatty. And she said, you know, because of her medication, I said, well, what medication is? And it was like Ritalin or something like that. Why? Well, I've got ADHD. You're so normal. Well, it's just really hard to, to, to concentrate when I study. Yeah, join the club. Doesn't mean you have a mental disability. From Der Spiegel, are there any alternatives to giving psychoactive drugs to children with behavioral abnormalities? Well, in Christendom, we call them behavioral sins. Nevertheless, this fellow said, yeah, tutoring. Who's been diagnosed with ADHD? Children who don't do well in school. It never happens to children who are doing well in school. So what about tutoring instead of pills? Please note, this diatribe is not to overrule your physician's advice. But please, mom and dad, proceed with so much caution. Get the wisdom of your elders before you slap a label on your kid. Maybe just maybe there's a non-medicinal solution to your child's struggle. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>